Welcome back to Free Wide, our once weekly podcast discussing both NASCAR and Formula One. I'm Caleb. I'm Connor. I'm Dad. How are we all doing this weekend? We had Daytona and the return of Formula One and the return of Max Verstappen domination. But we are back once again from Formula One and the playoffs are finally here upon us. Yeah, uh, RFK 1-2, one, one, um, that's something I like to see. The fantastic race at Daytona. Uh, seemed like the speedways and the road courses and the short tracks have been kind of blah. This this race was great. F1, most passes in F1. Was it F1 history that i seen? Is that what i seen? I believe it was at Zandvoort, maybe. I, I mean, believe it, it was within. I think it was a track record. I don't think it was like a world record. Got you. Got you. So two I, good races this weekend. I mean, like as you said, Verstappen pretty well dominated. No, not really a doubt, but uh, much better racing from F1 also. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. So we're going to talk about F1 a little bit later. We'll push it off to the side for now. But let's talk about uh, NASCAR first. As Connor explained, RFK got a 1-2. Chris Buescher ends up taking the win with Brad Keselowski finishing second. And the top three is Erica. And the top ten is the top five is Buescher, Keselowski, Amarola, Elliott, and Logano. The biggest story out of all this race, for the first time since his – for the first time in his career – Chase Elliott will miss the NASCAR Series playoffs. Well, he has missed a lot of races, and he has to make up for it, so this. Well, there Dean, he almost, I mean, pulled off, I want to say pulled off the impossible, pulled off a uh, walk-off, I guess you would call it. I mean, but there at the end, he was right there at it, but, you know, RFK too strong at the end. At the end of the day, too strong. RFK was had the better plate package. Sorry, Aunt Holly. Sorry, Mom, for Chase Elliott missing the playoffs. <laughs> but at the end of the Not day, their best weekend. the racing does what the racing does. And at the end of the day, Chase Elliott could not get past those four, three Fords ahead of him. But big names. I mean, LaJoy gets a top 10. Ty Dillon somehow finishes 11th, despite being, well, Ty Dillon. Um, <laughs> Ross Chastain inside the top 20. Just a couple names off the top of my off the top of my head. Austin Hill and Chandler Smith are two Xfinity guys jumping into Cup Series. Finished 14th and 15th themselves, and overall, but enough on the other side of the day. Ty Gibbs and Ricky Stenhouse don't have great days. Ty Gibbs, in particular, gets wrecked out. Uh, Ryan Priest goes side over side, end over end, but we'll cover that later. Which scary incident, by the way, but. Again, we'll talk about that later. Riley Herbst jumps into a uh, front row car this week for uh, for uh, one race, to, I believe. And he gets caught in the uh, stage two final lap big one. And at the end of the day, his uh, day is pretty well done. I mean, kind of all in all, just kind of a mixed bag, kind of. Some guys did pretty well. Some guys didn't do pretty well. One guy who caught my eye was Josh Berry. Didn't really do much throughout the whole race. Just kind of kept the car in one piece, which is kind of hard to do on a plate track. Uh, the most surprising thing from the race for me, I really thought Hendrick would be fast. I really thought Bowman and Elliott both would be on a rail. I mean, Chase was up there. Bowman was up there some. But, I mean, neither one of them really ever emerged as the fastest car or the dominant car, per se. I mean, it definitely seemed like the – RFK cars and, and, and some of the Toyotas, but I mean, I, I'm really, that kind of was probably the most surprising thing for me was that Hendrick, I really thought I would see more speed from them. The re- it really all started down in qualifying where, where Kyle, the highest Chevy was Kyle Larson down in seventh, which honestly, I think, I think, uh, 
I think it's either the Fords and the Toyotas made a lot of gains in the plate tracks, or the or Hendrick didn't bring a bunch of qualifying pace, hoping it would translate to the race, and that backfired on him a lot. I mean, the Stuart Haas cars were even they were even fast. Briscoe, uh, Amarola. I mean, those guys were up there for most of the race. But, Ryan you know. Priest at one point yeah. was leading. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Harvick was up there for the most part of the race. Ford has definitely got something figured out on the speedway tracks, that's for sure. Yeah, that is true. Especially RFK, who were like, basically every every super speedway, one of them is in the top five. Or both, really. I think the big thing with RFK is that it's only a two-car team. That way, those two cars, they just know they need to get together with each other and they work, to, and they work together. Whereas with a four-car team like... like SHR or even front row or even a free car team like front row and uh like front row sometimes and uh Penske they they have trouble getting linked together and then sometimes linked together tends to cut, start some of these multi-car pileups. Nobody on this planet would have predicted Chris Busher wins 3 out of the last 5 races. I don't think nobody anyone on this planet. Nobody. I mean, it's it's certainly obvious to me that RFK has figured something out, even if it's just a slight I will say or whatever they have figured something out to definitely uh, get a little bit of an edge. I they, will. Yeah. I will say, Chris Busher always tends to run particularly amazing at fan at plate tracks, and him getting a good plate package with RFK this year just it's played into his strength. And honestly, he's Connor to be jumping for joy. I mean, the first round sets up great for RFK. They always do well at Bristol. Darlington's a good track to them. Uh, what's the next race after that? Kansas. Kansas. So. Two of the three tracks set up well for RFK. So, I mean, to me, they could easily advance but both their cars. Let's keep in mind that, honestly, they could advance even if those tracks weren't good because, let's face it, the round of 16 is mostly just a don't-screw-up round. I mean, the tracks themselves aren't particularly challenging, but you have to you have to just kind of stay aware and stay consistent is the big thing because while they aren't difficult, they can catch you out if you're unaware. Especially Bristol. That is it. Honestly, if... Uh, more of what happened last year happens this week. That's a terrifying place to go for some of these people yeah, because sure. Sure. when a crack wreck happens, there's nowhere to hide. I'm looking forward to Darlington this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I'm looking forward to that track, old school track, uh, a lot of action usually, and uh, Labor Day weekend, so I, I really think it's going to be a great race. Um, it kind of sets the tone. I'll have my prediction later who I think is going to dominate this race. All right, I'm looking forward to hear it, but let's talk about some uh, int- some other stuff that happened. First of all, uh, during the race, coming to about six or la- six laps to go on the uh, at the scheduled distance, Ryan Priest gets tagged, I believe, by either one of the legacy cars or one of the front row cars. Uh, Don't- it was Chris or Chase. It was Briscoe. Briscoe. Yeah. Right, Tech gets tagged by his own teammate Briscoe. Gets sent. F- his car lifts off into the air. The roof flaps barely lift up, and he is sent tumbling. They counted 10 times. I'll be honest, I'm pretty sure we counted 12, though we might have double counted on one of the two. But Priest was sent on a wild ride through the air, and he it took him a minute to get out of the, to get out of the car. But when he did, we all breathed a sigh of relief, and then only for him to get put on a stretcher. Yeah, apparently he was fine. He got, just got released, and he said he would be back this week. That was a very violent... Like barrel rolling, it was pretty. Connor described that well. Violent. That that wreck was holy smokes. I mean, you're watching it. I mean, the 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 amount of times it twisted like fast. I mean, that was holy smokes. That was something wild to see. Yeah. Um, I, I I heard um, 
I believe it was Chris Rice was on the DBC podcast talking about why that wreck happened. Basically, where Briscoe was kind of pushing Priest, you know, when they were wrecking, like the air could not escape from underneath his car. So it basically lifted his car like a rocket. So, I mean, technically, it wasn't really the roof flaps wasn't working or everything on the car worked right. It was just how the, how the air basically was trapped underneath his car and it basically just pushed him up like a rocket. So, just as Connor said, they're violent. Holy smokes, now, that's crazy. One thing I'd like to mention, like the way we saw that flip is the same way we saw similar flips with the next-gen cars, similar to Priest's flip. Now, I don't think any of those flips were near as violent as the one we saw Saturday night, but it is worth noting that all those flips tend to have happened about the same way that Priest has happened, where they would, they would, the air would get trapped underneath the rear and would lift the car up into the air. Of course, not to the degree that Priest has up until this point, but... You know, come to think of it, Priest has been involved in a lot of heavy hits this uh, past us, this past season. For obviously, Saturday night's flip, but more. Re- but earlier, he uh, basically was involved in a 180 mile an hour T bone with Kyle Larson, which yeah, that was like you said, two of the scariest crashes of the year. That was nuts. I mean, remember it knocked his helmet visor up, like his eyeballs were coming out of his head. That was <laughs> he, like you said, he's been two crazy crashes this year, and really, it kind of highlights a big interesting was the next gen car rush because we know it was initially supposed to happen in 21 but they pushed it back to 22 do you think it was rushed maybe to get it out for 2022 well i don't really i wouldn't really say yes but i wouldn't really say no at the same time i feel kind of mixed about it and i don't want to say rush certainly some of the drivers feel differently uh, that's not as safe as the other car Certainly made the racing better in some places, but I mean that's certainly DNA and a few of those other guys have been very vocal that it's not as safe. Um, but I mean the the fact that Priest basically walked away from his crash. I mean he was he's already been released at home is nuts. It seems like the, and he he was from what I have seen it's like the, I think the turning the twist is what shook him up more than actually the impact. So the car's still safe. Um, I think it's open for a debate whether it's safer than the previous generation. That is true. I think. One of the big way, one of the big differences is that the next gen car's body as a whole is a lot more. I believe the word is composite. Like it doesn't fold up, fold into itself as easily as the last gen car did, which I think is a big thing. Because instead of like when it hits a wall, the cu- the last gen cars would fold in on themselves and would basically absorb most of the right, blow. Absorb, yeah. While with these composite cars, they bounce it outwards which can cause like a shockwave effect which if you hit it a certain right could even lead to it led to a lot of concussions uh like bowman with kurt bush which it recently- seems like they've improved it though you know there was a lot of rear inclusions last year that was causing some concussions it seemed like they've improved that i think they've improved some things like i said again it's open for debate whether it's safer but i think it's still a safe car i just don't know if it's as safe as the last one but yeah wild brag hopefully we don't we don't, we don't see something like it again the rest of the year I'm gonna have to agree with you on that, but like you said, like let's not let's not forget that NASCAR is actually trying to make is actively m- trying to make the thing safer. It's just it's not like they started adding metal like to the inside of the cars, so that way like there's no like exposed in inside of the car, so like the metal protects it from the outside when the sheet metal doesn't work. All right, uh, I think another interesting bit of uh, news we should uh, talk about is GMS Racing, or more specifically, no GMS Racing. At the end of 2023, the GMS Truck Series operation will go defunct, which will leave 
Infinger, Raja Karuf, and uh, Daniel Dye, all truck drivers, they'll they'll be out of a ride. They'll be scrambling for next year, which I think is going to be a big kickoff for truck silly season. But I think another big thing was GMS is also a part stake owner in uh, Legacy Motor Club. I mean, we mentioned last year Legacy Motor Club was called Petty GMS. Now they're known as Legacy Motor Club. So how do you think this could affect Legacy Motor Club? Well, it would basically, like, most of their funding, because from GMS, most of that would be taken away from their pull, for them pulling out. I mean, it certainly seems like on, from afar, this seems like they're, they're going to dedicate, dedicate all the resources to Legacy. Um, you know, I think, I wonder, in my mind, I wonder if there's some OEM support there. You know, I would think Chevrolet is probably backing Kyle Busch. The, I mean, who's the key partner, you think? Kyle Busch and GMS are probably the two strongest truck teams, right, for Chevrolet? They're the two strongest, and really, though I do believe there's another Chevy team in the McAnally-Higgleman, which is the 19 of Eckes and the 35 of Garcia, right. Jake Garcia. But so, uh, I, I don't I, think they're on the level, though. Yeah, I wonder you know, if that's something else. or um, But, I mean, certainly it seems like they want to dedicate all their time, thoughts, energy to... But as legacy. a whole, Chevy hasn't really been that strong. Like, the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks, like... The only ones that are really that the only one that's that's good is uh, the fifty one when Kyle Busch is driving it. Purdy doesn't tend to get anything done, and the other guy who's in the fifty one, Jack Wood, is uh, a joke for lack of a better word. But he certainly struggled this year. He has struggled. And as a whole, I don't think uh, GMS has kind of performed. I think only in fingers in the playoffs. Karouf has kind of struggled <laughs> which, to get it. Which he won this week. Yeah, speaking of yeah, he won this week. <laughs> and then for shutting down, he goes in and wins. Yeah, I know. And then. Caruth is kind of, again, struggled to get up to pace, has been involved in a lot of unfortunate circumstances that weren't exactly his fault. And Daniel Dye has just kind of been relegated to 31st, 32nd, basically on the same level as Haley Deegan, but no big deal. But it's all right. It's kind of weird, but whatever. All right. Uh, I think another big thing is the regular season. Now that's wrapped up. Martin Truex wins the regular season points title. With, after uh, the end of stage two, basically, he only had to score at least I think like what eight or so points in order to get the title over Hamlin, and now he's got the t- now that he's got the title that adds fifteen playoff points to his uh, total. So that gives him pretty much a good advantage on the rest of the playoffs, which I don't think he was going to get on first round anyways. Easily but puts him in the second round. As yeah. long as he don't have three straight DNFs. I think if I even with that, he could probably just about still get to the second round. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna argue with you that one. I say he's going in the third. I say he's going all the way to the third round, or even the final four. Probably well, him. Him and Byron are the two favorites for sure. Hamlin was kind of a long shot, despite Hamlin being yeah. ahead of. Now, fun. Now, with the playoff standings kind of now being the de facto standings, uh, William Byron's actually taking over the lead in the playoff standings. But again, we'll have to see uh, where this all shapes out. I think. Byron and Truex are really kind of a shoe in for round two, and I'd argue they'd be shoe ins for round three, but we'll have to see. But man, I mean, what a bounce back season for Truex! So much frustration and and watching them just give away races last year and this year, they have come out and just I don't say dominated, but they have been one of the best, one of the top two teams this year. And they fired a, out of all cylinders, and I think absolutely. I wonder if this is uh, the way. I wonder if Truex wants to send it up, send his career off with a with a season like what he's having right now. Or if this gives him the motivation he needs to go back for another year. Well, he's coming back. Oh, he, yeah. He's coming back. But we'll, we'll sh- we shall see if next year's his last year or not. But he's, he's definitely coming back. So we'll see what happens at Darlington. He, I think him and him on both are generally good at Darlington. 
I, I'm just I'm predicting someone else to win Darlington though. Um, well, I'm, I'm I can't. Like I said I can't wait for this race. This is always a good race. Yeah, I think I know who you're going to predict, but um, Darlington should be a good race, especially for the first round of the playoffs. It because we could have another surprise winner like we did last year. Like Eric Jones won last year, so we could have another surprise winner here. We could, uh, we could, we could. But here's another. But I. Uh, I think the big thing to consider is Darlington's kind of the first real uh, test for the playoffs. I mean, it's kind of a, all right, here's where you stand. It's kind of going to be a big baseline decay. You need to hit this mark in Kansas in order to either A, stay, stay above the gap, or B, get to that gap and get above said gap. This is kind of the big benchmark race. And if you have a p- package that struggles here at Darlington, you're going to need to figure that package out, and you'll want to figure it out soon for Kansas. Yeah, Kansas generally leans Toyota. It seems like the short tracks are leaning forward. So I mean, to me, this is need, Chevrolet needs to have a good um, Chevrolet drivers. I'm sorry, need to have a good race this race. I think. I think I'm gonna have to agree with you on this one. And a lot of Chevy drivers have uh, won this race. I mean, we talked about Jones already earlier this the year. Byron won one. I know he got knocked out of the way. Was, earlier this year, Byron won the Darlington Larson. race. Larson's gotten a few, but as a whole, I think the Chevys need to have have a good race. If some of them want to advance out, because there's a few Chevy drivers, I, in my opinion, who I think could be easily early knockouts. So, on to the round of 16. Let's talk about our 16 drivers Byron, Truex, Hamlin, Busher, Kyle Busch, Larson, Bell, Chastain, Kozlowski, Reddick, Logano, Blaney, McDowell, Stenhouse, Harvick, and Wallace. Of those, of those drivers, the only three non winners are Kozlowski, Harvick, and Bubba Wallace coming into the round of uh, 16. And of these, Byron Truex, the others have basically won. And so that is that is five Chevys, six Fords, and the, re- and the rest are Toyotas. So this is, I think, one big thing to note here is that free, there's free Gibbs cars. There's only, there's two Hendrick cars. I think uh, I think JGR's got a surprising advantage here. I mean, the the dominant Chevrolet cars, Larson and Byron, are outnumbered by the dominant Gibbs cars, which is on a three to two ratio. And that, but at the same time, I think uh, RFK is there too. I mean, Busher, Kozlowski, Blaney, Logano, and there's even some surprise picks like uh, McDowell and Reddick. McDowell's tend to be has gotten a lot better at these uh, oval tracks. And uh, Reddick as a whole is pr- has been pretty good for uh, 2311 as a whole. And even hey, even Bubba Wallace could come out and surprise us. Harvick is probably one of the most consistent non-winners right now, and Kozlowski is in RFK, which tends to be which tends to be one of the better cars this uh, week. So pretty much, who do y'all think could be the four getting being getting knocked out? I think it's a little too soon to start calling that. I think uh, the question's better asked if we rack them up after Kansas. But if you wanted my preliminary picks right now, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna take a shocker here. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that unless we get a miracle, I'm gonna say that both Penske cars are gonna be in trouble this round. As Ooh. a whole, Logano hasn't really. Logano's up there, but he's not up up there. Like he's not in contention to win the race. And Blaney's like Logano, but a little bit worse. Like Blaney's a little more consistent, but at the same time, he's also been a little bit more snake bit. I think Stenhouse and Bubba are in trouble. 
I'm gonna have to agree. With you. I'll also agree with Ten you on that one. House has been really, really up and down here uh, as of late. I think they're in trouble. I think they're I, more down as of late. Reddick is another one's in trouble, but I think Kansas may save him. I mean, Reddick is seem like they can't get it together. They're crashing half the races. They they can't finish races. They're making dumb penalties in the pit boxes. If He's Reddick, another one I if, think. If would, Reddick gets eliminated, certainly on pit crew, I guarantee you that pit crew is being overhauled. <laughs> so he's another one I could see could that could be a surprise. Uh, you know, someone McDowell. Um, I don't know. McDowell he's, has gotten a lot better at these tracks, but at the same time, it's kind of a where's everyone else going to fall? He's in life McDowell decent at Bristol, if I remember right. So yeah, but can he be decent at Darlington and Kansas? So here's another one who I'm going to argue might be in trouble. Kind of their form hasn't really been that really all together as of late. I say Ross Chastain's in a little bit of trouble. Chastain is, tends to be good at Darlington. He was aggressive a little at Kansas, but he didn't really wasn't really there for the most part. And as far as we know, we're not really too sure how he's going to stack up. Yeah, the Bristol. first two out of three will set up well for him. I don't know about Bristol. So I think that, but I think if his form continues, I think Chastain might be in a little bit of trouble here. But I'm with you. I don't think he's in too. I'm going to say this though. I don't think he's in too terribly much trouble. He's just going to need to stay out of everyone's way and probably not be aggressive. So yeah, that, yeah those guys. Chastain, Kozlowski, Reddick, Logano, Blaney, all right there in the middle. To me, they're safe as long as they don't do nothing dumb. Now, if they have a couple, if they have a DNF and then they struggle, then, then yeah, they're in jeopardy big time. But because there's not that much separation. I mean, Bubba's 36 out. And you go way down the eighth, Chastain's 25 out from the leader. So um, there's only nine points separating eighth to 16th. So we shall see. Working. Yeah, we shall see. I think it's a little still a little too early to talk about a uh, playoff grid. I think we should talk about playoff grid really as a whole more coming out of Darlington and and it's Kansas, but we'll have to see how that goes. We'll take a quick little break and we'll be right back with some more with some F one news. We'll see you right after the break. All right, we are back from Formula One, and I'd like to go ahead and start by saying that I made a slight little error. As it turns out, Dad was right, as is tradition, as the Dutch GP has overtaken China 2016 for the most overtakes in a single race for Formula One history. I thought it was just a new track record, but as as it turns out, I was proven wrong, which... I think it was kind of more of the topsy-turvy nature of the weather, how that started to play out. I agree. But but once again, the Dutch GP, to the surprise of, at this point, no one is uh, dominated by Max Verstappen. I mean... Who really expected this to be be an actual competition? I will say, Perez was leading for a couple laps, so... And really, it was kind of a weird one. And for a while, it looked like Max Verstappen actually fumbled for once on the tire on the tire strategies when it started monsooning on lap one. I don't know that he fumbled. Sauce. I mean, Checo just kind of outsmarted everybody. He just he he said I mean, he dove into the pit. He was the first one diving into the pits. He, surprised. alongside I think the Alfa Tauris and the Alfa Romeos, I think decided to dive into the pits. But yeah, again, really smart from them. Everyone really else dived into the pits at lap two, and then the ones who didn't. Well, they came into lap three and paid the price. I'm surprised more people didn't come in at the end of lap one because if I'm in one of the, and if I'm the driver, I'm coming in lap one. I don't care what my pit crew says. It's freaking. The only thing about that is you went up a Ferrari, you pull into the pits, they don't have tires ready. Oh yeah, because Charles Leclerc was right behind Perez and just <laughs> well, that's did not have the inter- tires. Look, the point, the moral of the story is don't drive for Ferrari. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. 
I think for a track that's generally very difficult to overtake, Zandvoort was as a whole very and in, in, was a very interesting to race to watch. And honestly, I think it was a lot more uh, it was a lot more enjoyable than I thought it would be. I mean, it was kind of interesting seeing uh, both the Aston Martins and the Alpines actually be up there, which. I think it's a neat track to watch. I mean, it's got yeah. the uphills and the and the high, and kind of almost like NASCAR banking in some of the curves and some of the curves. Sorry, and uh, so I think it's kind of a neat track to to kind of to watch. I really do. It's you know, like you said, it's pretty technical. I think y'all said that last week. It's pretty technical. Very difficult. It's as a whole difficult to overtake. Now I think the rain kind of might or might not have exaggerated. That, if one's that on enters, rain one's again. On Sunny, rain again, sunny. That was interesting. That definitely made it interesting. One of the big things that kind of helped make it interesting was as a whole, Zandvoort is a very fast track that it dries very fast. So a dry line forms very quickly. So you can risk it on softs earlier and it might pay out for you. So I think the other big storyline coming out of Zandvoort is Daniel Ricardo, or well, rather lack of Daniel Ricardo, coming in practice two oscar piastri had uh dived into uh had uh t- took a wider line on the banking and hit the tire barriers so he basically instead of him deciding to move his car he decided well i've already ruined daniel ricardo's career once why not do it again and ricardo with nowhere to go slams into the wall and basically the wheel snapped with his hand holding the wheel and it basically basically broke his arm just like that well he broke his hand one but um yeah, that's pretty pretty bad for him, you know. But from what I've seen, a broken hand doesn't really take that long to heal. It takes like three I mean, to six weeks. I, I mean, think Marco was basically saying that. I think Liam Lawson's going to be in the car through Singapore, right? Uh, or would the Ricard be back by Singapore? Christian, He'll be the back big by man, Singapore. Christian Horner himself, has said that uh, Daniel Ricardo should be back by Singapore, which means Lawson will be here through. Italy at the very least. Now he could now Ricardo is uh, now Ricardo could come back for Singapore, but they said that they'll retain Lawson as long as Ricardo needs to be out. So he could be out for Singapore. Singapore's kind of an up in the air, but that's the expected date he's supposed to return. Italy, he's definitely not coming back, but they should see him back by Singapore if all things go as normal. Speaking of Lawson, finished ahead of Yuki. I mean, uh, Yuki, <laughs> I mean, uh, that, that's, that's you know, he's had one practice and he raced one. and finished ahead of Yuki. I think, I mean, yeah, sure, he had a rough qualifying for practice, but as a whole, he, as a general, as a whole, just kind of kept it out of trouble. I mean, other, other than the speeding penalty, I'm trying to think there wasn't really too much Liam Lawson did long, wrong. He kept his car out of trouble, and more importantly, he beat Yuki Sonoda, which not a good look for Yuki Sonoda. Not a good look. Now, that being said, Sonoda is still Alphatari's only point scorer this week, but if uh, rec- but maybe we can see some change changes, but we'll, we'll have to uh, see. You know what's one team who really surprised me other than Alphatari? Williams. This was a track that as a whole is generally not suited for the Williams style, and yet the Williams came out, put both of their cars in Q3. Logan Sargent decided he was actually a Formula 1 driver that day. And until he crashed, of course, but... Yeah, Albon put a P4 in qualifying. He didn't really... He kind of slipped up at the start, but still finished P6 for him, I think. Only thing you might Logan Sargent, once again, he crashed his cars. Once again. And then he, he's got like his internet meme now where he's, he's like sitting on the side of the hill waiting for somebody to come get him after he crashes and whatnot. But, hey, man, Sargent, he, he just... He can't quit stop wrecking. He keeps DNFing. 
And that is, I mean, I'm telling you, it seems like the writing's kind of getting on the wall for him. He needs a string of good races. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, Logan Sargent doesn't have too many fans because otherwise he uh, might be. Cause, I mean, uh, Albon is almost in the points every week, and Sargent is almost DNFing every week. I mean, there's only so long you can use the he's a rookie, he still needs the experience excuse. This is, I believe, the second-to-last track that he actually genuinely has experience on, Com- with the the last two being Italy and Abu Dhabi being the last two tracks that he has experience on. So this is probably going to be rough, and this, honestly, I think he, he's going to have to get up to speed to some of those other tracks quickly if he wants it. If he Ga- wants Gasly this. was the biggest surprise of the weekend to me. I mean, to me, like that came out of nowhere to finish. Get, yeah, get on the recovered podium. from a speeding penalty and then kind of battled it with uh, Perez, with Perez and Sainz for the final spot on the podium until Perez, until Perez kind of went off track and then Gasly was kind of swooped in and then Gasly just kind of held off Sainz. I mean, that was a big surprise. I mean, of course, Perez got the speeding penalty as you said. It was penalized five seconds. Um, Sainz did he? He didn't. Get, did he get penalized too? I he did not. Right. He he did so. not get penalized. And Mercedes they seem to struggle all weekend. They got the strategy wrong when the rain come out. Um, they, Wait until lap three. <laughs> yeah. So they got the strategy wrong. So they they wasn't really a factor uh, most of the weekend. Russell basically Ru- had a puncture at the end. He fit almost, almost DNF, but uh, just a rough weekend for them. But Gasly was the biggest surprise for me. And rough weekend again for Ferrari. I mean, first they get the pit strat. They got the pit strategy right. Then they uh, <laughs> forgot the enters. The you know the tires, and then they finally just said, you know what, screw it, or that we're done. And uh, put well, I think there was damage to Leclerc's floor, and it was just making the car worse. I think he had, I think he had contact with somebody. I'm trying to remember who it was. It might have been one of the McLarens. Speaking of McLaren, uh, they didn't have a great week at all this week. I mean, yeah, they qualified pretty high up, and yeah, then Lando was seventh. Yeah, and then it they just terrible. kind of they were able to salvage it, but it wasn't a great weekend. I think the big problem was Lando kind of for whatever reason, decided that he wanted to uh, stay out on lap two. Uh, Saatchi 2021 vibes. That's what I say. Him staying out, him making the call, does not generally work out well for him. I think at some point you need to have your engineer say, look, come in <laughs> now. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, don't really look for – don't really work for Lando, for him. Just wet in general. Seventh and ninth. That's where they finished. Seventh and ninth and whatnot, so – I mean, not not terrible week for McLaren, but not 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 stellar either. All right. Speaking of which, we're coming up to Monza, otherwise known as the Temple of Speed. This is going to be a very interesting. I think this might be an interesting race. We have most of us here, I believe, have seen the new Ferrari livery. Kind of add some yellow to uh, the red and white. But for the most part, what are we looking for other than Red Bull domination? Because we all know that Red Bull is probably going to win. I, I would. It wouldn't surprise me if I saw some Williams up here. I'm saying I'm saying McLaren. Will be a good week for McLaren. They seem to do better on the high speed tracks. You know who I think is going to be struggling a lot this week? No surprise here, Ferrari, because Ferrari for whatever reason doesn't seem to have a car that benefits the high straight line speed. Now, yeah, they don't get me wrong; they were good at Belgium, but that was kind of a they weren't great at Silverstone, and. I don't think they were really good at any of the other high-speed tracks this week, this uh, season. So it'll be interesting to see what they can do at Monza, especially since it's the home crowd and all. But it seems like to me they're trying out different things, and they're kind of it seems like they're kind of gearing things for for twenty four. We'll see. I, I mean, I don't know. 
I think for the most part, most of everyone else's focus is on 2024. I mean, even Red Bulls mentioned him. All right, so let's uh, take a quick little break, and we'll move on to interesting tactics and our predictions for this week. All right, we are back from our break, and we are going to move into interesting tactics. This section is where we discuss tactics interesting strategy calls throughout the week that caught our attention they have to be they don't have to be good they don't have to be bad we just thought they were interesting so we'll start this week with connor uh probably my interesting tactic goes to ferrari for like basically screwing up basically everything because like <laughs> the inters wasn't even the worst part they didn't even have them pit crew ready to get on the tires but then after that they just dnf not their best moment uh, definitely no. not the brightest moment. But once again, Ferdix made to move to mention to me that Ferrari is a lot like McDonald's. They <laughs> seem to be operated by a bunch of clowns. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see if things improve. But I mean, it was certainly not their best weekend. All right, uh, up to you. What's your interesting? Uh, Brad Kozlowski doing a donut during the red flag because he had a t- he had a fire that started in his car, so he kept there was video of him doing donuts um, and it put a fire out. Evidently, he had some rubber build up on the brake rotor. And uh, it was starting a fire in his car, and he kept doing donuts underneath the red flag to put that fire out. Now, there's a lot of people that's upset over that. He was not penalized because red flag are supposed to be stopped. Uh, but evidently, NASCAR allowed it because it was a safety concern. But uh, that was my tactic. I mean, what do you want the man to do, to uh, slow roast alive like a lobster? I guess like, I don't were, think. Uh, well, the other teams are like, well, there's a fire suppression system that comes on automatically, and it would end of this race. So, but. That's for them to work out. But that's my. That's a. That was an interesting tactic to me. All right. So uh, the guy who caught my attention this week was Alexander Albon. He, believe it or not, when the rain came, he stayed out, which was interesting. But the rain eventually stopped, and he was still on the same set of softs that he was on when the race started. He never came into the pits. He never came into the pits when uh, he, when the rain started, and he never came into the pits when the rain ended. Which technically saved him one pit stop, so he was still on like seventeen lap old softs, and everyone else was on like two lap old inters, and then they finally, and then he did come out, and then it rained again, and then he was able to salvage that to a P ninety. Basically, saved an entire pit stop, but still wasn't enough to catch anybody. But was a very interesting uh, pit stop in general. I mean, he just didn't, he just didn't make a pit stop, which I think was interesting. Which was able to salvage a good result out of that. Same can't be said for Logan Sargent. Yeah, we think. What are we thinking for Darlington? Who are you predicting? All right, so my predictions for Darlington this week. I'm predicting the guy who won the 2021 playoff season opener, James Allen Dennis. I say Denny Ham is going to win it at Darlington. Good pick. He's strong there. I'm going to pick Marlon Shrek Jr. because I feel like he's been – he's coming off the regular season – a championship, he can have some momentum coming in, so he's, I think he's going to win this one. All right, now, Dad. I'm predicting you, a Hendrick resurgence. Larson. Kyle Larson. I think by this point, Hendrick's going to have to stop stop investing in uh, Bowman and Elliott. <laughs> to, to, it's what, all about Willie B and, and Karen, Kyle Larson now. One that, But he could, still, he could still probably invest in Elliott because that, as I believe, owner's the nine, points. Yep, owner's points, which ends up fetching the most money. But I think... You don't want to go for the double wham. You want to get uh, both uh, Larson and Chastain's nowhere close to Larson this time, and Larson's victorious. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. Chastain's good, but I think uh, if the form that he's been running in continues, I don't think he'll be up there for as long. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week for Free Wide. 
hope you all enjoyed this episode and we hope you come back we hope you uh, listen in next time peace out